Thank you for tuning in to the Mile 40 podcast. I am Beshoy Tadros, the author of Break Barriers and Audacious, both of which are sold on Amazon. And I invite you to join me as I engage with guests to discuss those bounce back moments that we encounter on our personal journey. Mile 40 is a forum to learn about how athletes, professionals, and leaders of all backgrounds stare down moments in life where the only option is to rise up. The Mile 40 podcast strives to remind listeners that the comeback is always greater than the setback. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Mile 40 podcast. I am thrilled to be back. Today's episode is going to be a killer episode. I have a very special guest joining me today. You know, the joke I have about this guest was he was the videographer at my wedding. And a couple of weeks after doing my wedding, I see him posting up videos of Rick Ross, Shaq, some of the biggest celebrities in the game. And I'd like to think that I am the reason for this man's success. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to Roger Rojas. Roger Rojas is a content director who's really built up his business since the day that I've met him, which was probably five or six years ago. Yeah, 2017. Yep. And we had met at a fitness event in New York called Tone House Turf Wars, and, and we'll dive into that. But little did we know when we had both met at that venue that we would become friends and that one day we'd be having this conversation. So Roger, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. And it is crazy to think about kind of from that point, arguably one of the hardest events I've ever done and what that's led to, to shooting, you know, very personal moments in your life and kind of my own progression of life, travel and living now in California. So it's kind of crazy hearing. Yeah, man. Yeah. And then just for, you know, for context for everybody, we did not know each other. We were basically um, on the back of the line at this event. And this event was full of some of the more competitive and and more established athletes in New York. And we were both of the mindset of we're just going to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations and, and try to kind of bring out the best in ourselves. And we just kind of both looked at each other and we're just like, what, how did, how did we end up here? But we were both very glad to be there um, at the same time. And that's one of the things that I think unified us. We were both kind of of that mindset of you need to surround yourself with people who, you know, challenge you, who, you know, are perceived to be perhaps stronger than you, faster than you, and, and could really kind of lift you up. And so I think that's one of the things that A, brought us together. But in watching your journey, and we're going to dive into your journey, I see that's been something that's been consistent with you. You're constantly surrounding yourself with people who seem to be challenging you in day in, day out, professionally and personally. You know, is that something that you kind of picked up at an older age or is that something that, um, you know, you've always kind of had instilled in you? For me, it became, I realized two things that if I wanted to get somewhere, I need to be around the people that are doing it or have achieved it. And the second part of it, knowing that if I'm comfortable with where I am, then I'm not in the right room. Um, because to be able to get somewhere I've never been, I need to be uncomfortable with the people that I'm around. And I was very lucky where I had certain mentors in my life that led up to to have that mindset and to have kind of that focus. One of them being who is now one of my best friends, Frankie D'Agostino. He was the first person to ever give me a chance to document not only his life, but the journey of his business and his business ventures. 
And every time we got in the car, he was playing certain podcasts of entrepreneurs and CEOs talking about their stories, talking about their struggles, talking about their mindset, uh, let it be at 6 a.m. or 9 p.m. And it was always everything we were sharing socially was always about that, the mindset of being around the right people, doing the right thing and consistently growing. Um, so when I graduated from Iona University in 2016, that's all I was listening to. That's all I was doing. And then it got to a point where I grew my network and those became my clients, the people I would listen to, the people I would work with. That path certainly wasn't easy because I remember when, you know, we had first met, um, you were really grinding. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think that from the outside, a lot of people could see some of the work that you put out there. And, you know, I've mentioned some of those names earlier on in the podcast and, you know, I I've seen you at work and I know how, how hard you've worked to get to where you are, but you know, I want to dive a little bit more into that kind of journey. How did you get from, you know, following someone around, um, you know, taking um, snaps of their life and, and, and sharing it and helping depict it to now working with some of the biggest names in the world, um, you know, and, and frequently and kind of building that portfolio? Yeah, I would say the number one thing was just I was always willing and able to show up no matter how weird the circumstance was. And I think that alone put me in great position. And then the second part of it was definitely not only showing up to do what you have to do, but over delivering on what is expected or staying longer, um, you know, doing the extra mile, taking the extra mile to, to do what it takes. And then third thing was just doing that over and over. Um, I think that kind of formula for me is what was consistent in my life and has allowed me to grow from, you know, 18, leaving Miami where I grew up to going to New York, not only knowing one person staying there for an additional four years in New York, and then now living in California was that I was always able and willing to show up and do that over and over and over. And I never really talk about the quote unquote, the grind of when I was living in New York, but it, it was pretty hectic. Like, you know, I was living in what some people considered upstate, you know, Westchester County. Hmm. And I would have to, you know, walk anywhere from a quarter mile to a block or two blocks to get my car that's parked on the street to then drive it to the train station. And then I couldn't afford the monthly parking lot garage. So I had to do street parking again. So I would have to find whatever is available. Sometimes it was a quarter mile walk. Sometimes it was a little more. And then on top of that, walk to the train station, take the 30 minute train now bring me into Grand Central and then or walk taxi or subway, typically subway. And then my day started. Yeah. You know, and I did that. And for, that's when we met. I met you during yeah. that grind. And I and I I took note of that. I mean, you were definitely um, you know, putting yourself out there relative to the people that you were shooting. People that you were shooting were people that were based in Manhattan who generally were able to get around, you know, wherever, whenever they wanted to. And life for them was a little bit easier than it, than maybe you had it logistically at that point. But people couldn't tell because for you, it was, it was so natural. You know, you, you knew you belonged, um, you know, in the game and you did everything you could to make it happen. And honestly, in terms of like how, how long I've known you, it seemed like while that period was probably long and the grind was, you know, difficult, it, it almost felt fleeting because you worked so hard that you got out of it pretty quickly. Um, maybe in terms of, yeah, and like, I know, and I never, it never felt like, to be honest with you, for me, it was never, like saying it out loud and saying that process. Yeah. I never woke up and I never dreaded it because I told myself what's ultimatum. Like what yeah. it okay, if I don't if I'm complaining about the transportation then I need to move into the city, right? Yeah. 
And that was never a thought of mine ever because I just loved where I lived. I loved the situation. I kind of joked around and said, you know, I wasn't in the madness and I would pull myself away. I was living in a house and extremely calm. You know, I had a backyard that I never used, but I still had it Yeah, and kind of had all those things. So for me, it was never the thought process of, I never thought, I knew I was grinding. I knew I was hustling because I was putting crazy amount of hours in. I was working most weekends. Yeah. But I I just genuinely love what I do, what I do now and what I did in New York that I wouldn't change it because I, I just kept telling myself, like, this is the one point in my life, you know, God willing, I find a partner and have kids and family. But at this point in my life, I know I could do this, that I'm yeah. betting on myself, that I'm showing up for myself and that I have to do it over and over again. And like anything else, when you talk about kind of my journey of going from shooting a kid you know, following someone around in Westchester to now I'm lucky to work with some of the biggest names and across most uh, businesses is that I just showed up every single day. I'm sure you've heard the story of, of uh, Kobe talking about him working out four times a day yep. to the guy who works out once. Yeah. It's not that he's any greater than him. It's just the yeah. simple fact I truly believe I just kept doing it more often. Yeah. And then there, I started creating the gap and then creating those connections and relationships that people kept seeing me over and over and over. Yeah. And they were watching me similar to you where you would see and you're like, Hey, I saw him doing this. And I saw him doing that. And then I would have those conversations. And then just over time, like anyone else, you want to, you want to work with someone that's always showing up. You want to work with someone that's willing to do anything. Yeah. You, know, you want to work with someone that's, it can create an inconvenience for me, but the idea is that I would still show up for you. Yeah. Like there were so many moments, like there's one that comes to mind where uh, her name's Cindy Eckert. She's founded, she created the female Viagra, sold it for a billion dollars. <laughs> I was in New York and she was doing a talk in LA for 45 minutes. And she said, Hey, are you willing to, can you show up? You know, if you catch a flight today, you'll land around the evening. We sh- I shoot, I'm speaking from nine to nine 45 and, and then I'm flying out. And then I had a commitment the next day back in New York. Mm-hmm. And I told her, yes, that same night jumped on a flight was in, you know, I took like a 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. I was in LA by 11 yeah. p.m., checked and slept for a few hours, woke up at seven, saw her. She did her 45 to an hour speech. And then I literally went straight to the airport, in and out near the airport, hung out there and jumped on the plane, got back home, slept, and then woke up to do my next event in New York. Amazing. Amazing. And so, yeah, it's like things like that, where I believe it's not the work itself. It's just doing willing, are you willing and able to do the things that people won't do? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I mean, um, I'm not saying this because you're a guest on the show or because you're a friend, but you've truly figured out a way to um, distinguish yourself as someone who, you know, I think of content creation, I think of Roger. If I'm doing any sort of project, even if I'm not doing it with you because you're not in town or because, you know, whatever reason, logistically, I'm thinking I'm at least going to ask Roger if he knows someone or if um, he knows of this person or if he knows, you know, you've really kind of tied your name to the idea of being a creative. And and I kind of say this to kind of segue into it always appeared to me that you never even had a backup plan, like you were just going to go at this because you knew you were meant to do this and and it never even kind of crossed your mind again from an outsider's perspective that maybe this won't work out and maybe you know you'll have to use your business management degree to do something else is that true did i have a right read on that or or am i kind of yeah so for the i would say this from 2016 to 2018 i i mentally even though I was working in Westchester and I had a great job working at a gym and I had opportunities to do other side things that range from restaurants to 
shooting random baby showers, anything that could pay me. I did question my my career every day because at the time, you have to remember between 2016 and 2018, there wasn't a role for social media. Yeah. At that time, Instagram was 15 seconds. I would convince people to use Instagram for business when it wasn't necessary. Whereas in today's, you know, economic shift and kind of social yeah. shift, it, it's an it's very much needed. It's not no more a want, it's a need. Yeah. Um, and so when I was doing it, I was never sure of it. And then another thing was I, and this is, this is like the best advice I can give to creators. You're always going to doubt yourself because you've never created confidence to do what you're doing because you haven't achieved it or you haven't tried it. So my confidence began to grow the moment I shot more and the moment I accepted more projects or did more video shoots or did more photo shoots, I created that confidence by going out there and doing the work. No one's confident in the first two, three, four, five, 10, 20 times they do anything, especially with the random circumstances. I always put myself in them. Made no sense. Like I'm telling you, every, you can name it and I've worked it or tried to work it in any way possible because I was looking for the dollar to survive, to do what I had to do. But little did I know that also gave me what I consider my superpower where I can go into any room for anything and I can make it happen, you know, and shoot whatever type of event or shoot an activation or shoot a private mastermind or shoot a product. Like I can't name it, but today I shot one of the biggest like products I've ever shot, which is going to be like on a huge scale in like three weeks, maybe when this comes out um, in the beverage space, specifically Mm -hmm. water. Mm -hmm. And it's a tie between water and technology. Mm -hmm. And so those things only came to me because when I first started to build my confidence, I was saying yes to every job. Yeah. And through that, around 2019 and and essentially when i met who is now my boss slash mentor slash best friend uh, dan fleischman is when i met him in march and when he asked me to do him him speaking to talk to get a video of him speaking on stage i was prepared for that moment yeah i always tell people i wasn't lucky it was the fact that i had worked to that moment because i could have been in that room for him to ask that question but i could not have been prepared that is possible i could have failed yeah. And then ultimately, I believe that moment was an altering life moment for me. If I would have failed in that moment, nothing from that point on would have made sense. And I probably would still be in New York. And not to say New York's bad, but, you know, making that decision to to do what I did and be in that chance or the opportunity um, altered my life for forever. Yeah. And then and that's been something that's been pretty visible. How did you meet Dan? I met him through an event. So this is actually a great story. I've never uh, said this on a podcast. I had a podcast with Frankie Dag. We had a podcast together. I was friends with Elena Cardone. And it was like a Sunday. And I told her I was in Miami on Tuesday, free from 11 to 1. I would love to have her on our podcast. And she says, sure, stop by the office at 12. I'm free. We could use the space. I had no plans to be in Miami. I was not expecting to be there. The reason I said Tuesdays is I, I knew that it was the cheapest day to get to Miami. So I call my friend. I was like, yo, tomorrow we need to go to Miami. Elena Cardone's going to be on our podcast on Tuesday. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, 30 set up, studio, <laughs> we're using theirs. We're just going to walk in and we're going to be there. You know, we show up like two hours before because we, again, we had no other plans to do anything else. We finished the podcast. We go back to my place. You know, that's where I was born and raised and my family's still there. And I'm, Frankie, I'm hanging out with my friend Frankie. I get a text from another close friend, named, friend of mine named Casey Adams. So Casey is another like badass entrepreneur, young gunner, totally crushing it. He has a, a tech company now, company known as Media Kits right now. He hits me up and says, hey, I'm going to be speaking in Tampa. I see you're in Miami. Can you make it over to Tampa to get me, you know, we'll do a vlog, you know, yeah. photos, the whole, the whole nine. 
at that time, I co-opened a barbershop with my friend in New York. And I, I told him, no, I was like, hey, I can't make it. It felt wrong to go to Tampa to do that. I want to get back to the shop. I want to yeah. get content. You want to help out there. And then Frankie looks at me, he goes, hey, man, have you had a chance to even look at the event? I said, no. He looks at the names, the list of people, who's going to be there. And he tells me, he's like, you should really consider this. I think this would be something great for you. So I said, okay, so what should I do? I look at flights are too expensive. And I said, would you come with me? Yeah. I said, of course. Him being a firefighter, he looks at rates for a rental car. We get a okay. car for less than like 50 bucks. Him being Love a that. firefighter for the state of New York. We drive over four hours. As soon as we arrive, he lands on his plane, gets in our car. We go to check in. Again, we have no hotel room, never been to Tampa before, no idea where we are. As he's checking in, since he is a speaker, they gave him a king room that had two king beds and he had okay. a roommate. That roommate was another speaker. He didn't want to share a room. He got his own bed and room. So then we automatically had a bed to stay and sleep in for free. Wait, so this is Dan's room? No, this is Casey's. Oh, Casey's room. Okay, okay. I yeah, just want to make sorry. sure. I, I got sorry. No, this is story. no. Yeah. This, <laughs> okay. this is, at this whole time, sorry. At the, that led up to following Casey and Casey would pick up from there. Sure. Casey's checking us in. <laughs> The next day, Casey's going to speak. I still remember this is literally sure. how it happened. And you want to talk about opportunity? I've never shared this story. So it's myself, Casey, and then Dan. Dan slid a sticky note to me saying, video question mark paid. So I asked Casey. I said, of course. At that time, I could not for, uh, afford a lavalier mic. For those who don't yeah. know, a lavalier mic is what goes into the camera. And then there's a wireless microphone on the speaker sure. that runs the audio. Okay. I had a road mic, which, you know, it's set the only if from two to four feet is good audio. Anything away from that sounds terrible. Okay. He then asks me, do you have a lav mic? I said, yes, I did not. I run to the back of the room. 10 minutes prior, I'd met another content creator that had a lavalier mic. And I said to him, I said, hey, my lavalier mic is not working. Can I use yours? My client's about to go out. I just need to get it for 30 minutes. I'll bring it right back to you. He said, of course. Huh. never used this in my life. I've never tried it in my life. So as a joke, I say to him, where's the power button on this? Oh um, my gosh. Power button. And I was like, so if I turn this on, it works, right? So he's laughing, joking with me. And I was like, oh, so if I put this side of you know, the lavalier mic, this goes on you and I clip this here. And he's like, bro, are you messing with me? I'm like, yeah, of course. I was like, can we just do a test? <laughs> so I was like, this goes on top of the camera here, plugs in here. You try it on. He goes, yes. I go, of course. I was like, thank you, my guy. I haven't seen this one before. Had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I then go to Dan, put the mic on him. I filmed Dan. And then again, he was paying me just to film him. He said, hey, here's my work email. Send this to my editor. He will handle the edit. I said, of course. Then I thought to myself, what can I do to make myself present or memory of him? Knowing that a chance to connect with someone. Dude, that, that was my mentality everywhere sure. I did. Yeah, how everywhere, can you distinguish yourself? With, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what can I do to make myself different? Yeah. And so I told myself, I went straight to my hotel room. And then within an hour, I had him a 30, 45 second Instagram clip for him to post on Instagram. I tell Casey, can you throw us in a group chat? Because I didn't have his contact. I just had his work email. Can you throw us in a group chat? I want to share the video with him. He loves it. He posts it. So this is where the story gets crazy. So not only does he pay me for that job, which I would have done it for free, but it was just opportunity. He then two days later connects me with an ex president of a ma major record label who's launching his own music company, uh -huh. asking me to shoot that online course that he's creating for him. Oh my God. Okay. I fly back to New York 
And so to not lose track of like the Dan connection, I'm going to finish that. But I'm going to tell you the rest of the Tampa stories. It gets crazier. When I fly back to New York, I connect with this guy. I then he then says, hey, I hired another company to shoot the course, but I still want you there for behind the scenes and capturing moments of me, you know, talking to people, photos, anything. I go, great. That, that course um, ends up being shot in Brooklyn. I, it goes very well. He loves all the photos, the videos that I'm making. They're using it for ads to run, you know, for his online programming. I foster that amazing relationship with him. He has a home in the South Hamptons. I end up going to hang out with him in the South Hamptons, having, you know, staying with his, you know, hanging out with his kids, getting to know his wife, just really that, that whole circle that him alone got me to shoot the 2019 VMAs. So oh, now wow. I shot the 2019 VMAs. I walked the carpet, had full access everywhere. That's amazing. Dan then proceeds to introduce me every two to three months to every one of his CEO friends that would come into New York and that needed a content creator. Wow. Fast forward. So that was Dan. And then I'm going to finish that. When I was there in Tampa, I follow Casey. I was, again, I had meant to go back to New York. I'm in Tampa. Casey then tells me, hey, dude, can you come with me to Arizona to film another podcast that I have? I said, of course, we go to Arizona. When we go to Arizona, he gets a text from another CEO that's in L.A., saying, hey, I could jump on your podcast. Are you available tomorrow? We couldn't find flights. There was at the time a site that would allow you to charter jets Yeah, called JetSmarter. I don't think yeah, it's around. Yeah, I've heard of jets. Yep. And he had posted on his socials that the flights were so expensive to LA if there was anyone or knew anyone that could help out with the flight. We then get a text from a friend saying, hey, there's an open, there's two open seats on a jet from Phoenix to LA. You could hop on. It's only $2. Oh, wow. Kid you not. Oh my gosh. It's $2. My first ever private jet charter through that application because it was a last minute flight going from Arizona to LA. Wow. That event, because of Tampa, I also met someone named Nick Santanastaso, who's a world renowned speaker, speaks alongside Tony Robbins and many other people. I had met him in Tampa. He hits me up when I'm in LA and he goes, Hey, can you fly to St. Louis? I'm going to this three-day mastermind with Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. And I want someone to document everything, vlog, pictures, and the whole nine. So I go from flying to Tampa to Arizona to LA to then St. Louis to then seeing Dan again. Because Dan was there hanging out. He was close with them. Yeah. Seeing him again. So now how this story comes full circle. I'm in New York from March till November. And he sends me a text. Hey, I have, a, I'm, I have an event going on. I would love for you to come and shoot it. It's a three-day thing. Are you available? I said, yes. Coordinates with his event coordinator. I fly in on Halloween. No idea what I'm doing. What I know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. What I'm walking into. At that point, I had never spoken to him on the phone. I had We were just simple text messages. Yeah. And I show up to a Beverly Hills mansion. Okay. It's 100 people on this list. Everyone in this room is people who I look up to and I admire who are CEOs and kind of they've started major companies, done amazing things. And he's hosting what would be now known as the 100 MME group, the 100 million mastermind experience, which is 100 people that pay $100,000 to attend. Yes. And he then proceeds, aside from the dinner, he has Mark Wahlberg fly in and he does an interview with Mark Wahlberg. And Mark Wahlberg was in the middle of filming a movie in London. He booked him a jet to come to this and then fly back. Wow. The next day he had in Bel Air, he had rented uh, Dan Bilzerian's home. Yep. which is essentially a compound. Yeah. And he had various speakers from Jordan Belfort to just well-renowned business speakers on the table. We go in the evening, we go to the top for a charity poker tournament. 
Chris Tucker was the host. Nick Cannon was the DJ. And then he had Tyga perform a handful of songs. Then Sunday, it's not over. Sunday, he wrenches what is known as the Porsche Experience, which is here in LA. And you can go there and test out different Porsche vehicles with professional car drivers. Yeah. So if you weren't doing that, you were able to play basketball with Dennis Rodman, the the professor from N1, if you know who that is. Yeah. And other NBA legends. Yeah. And then when we were done with that, we would come inside and we'd listen to an hour speech from Magic Johnson. And then after Magic Johnson was Chris Jenner. Oh man. And then and then when that was done, they had their private meet meeting to discuss any um, you know, business things that they had um and any questions, and it was over. Yeah. This is where it matters. That Sunday I had seen him, and again, keep in talk context from between March and November, I'd never spoken to him since. It was always yeah. through text. I see him at the cafe by himself uh, drinking tea. Yeah. And I wanted to go up to him to thank him for me being there because as a content creator, being in LA, there's thousands of content creators. So for me me? across the country, the whole time I was questioning, why am I here? Yeah. Why me? Yeah. I had no idea. I mean, that was going to lead me to my next question, but you finish first and I'll go. And I I walk up to him. I say, Dan, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I'm so thankful to be in this room. And he looks at me and he responds to me. He smiles. And he goes, you don't know this yet, but you're moving to L.A. Oh, my God. And I look at him and I was so perplexed. Yeah. He taps my shoulder, smiles, and just walks away. He's in that moment. I Again, that was not at that moment in my life. I loved New York socially, you know, business. Yeah, you were pretty established I, I, in New York. You yeah, had your I, friends. I, people friend, I, I loved everyone there. I was having yeah. so much fun. The thought of me living, leaving New York, I was like, no way. I was, like, yeah. I was like, no, that's not going to happen. No way. Yeah. Wow. But a little, little behold, less than, uh, yeah, around seven months later, June of 2020, I was, I moved in. So when you moved, um, was it for a specific opportunity at that? Was it to work yeah, for so, Dan at that point or what? how did, yeah. how did that kind of go down? So the, the decision to move was, you know, March of 2020, the pandemic started. Yeah. And between March and June, I was living down in Miami at my best friend's place because I didn't want to be in New York. And I was so yeah. lucky where one of my closest friends opened up his apartment to me and I was able to be there and work out every day. And the weather is amazing that time of year. So yeah. I got to just be outside. Yeah. And um, he had he had offered during that time, reminded me, hey, if it's still on the table. You know, I'm moving down to San Diego for a bit. Um, you can come down here and work. And I didn't feel I didn't feel right. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, this is this is the moment that I knew um that I had to do it. It was not only, you know, just me being blind to the fact of him introducing me to the amazing people that I've met or sure. experiencing the thing that one event that I told you that was absolutely insane. It was really when I saw him post something about a brand, I don't know if you're familiar with it, it's called Talentless. Scott okay. Disick is behind it. Okay. Um, one of the Kardashians' ex-husbands yep. and yep. Dan has close relationships with them and he helped them out start start that brand. Got it. His background, he he's very well when it comes to like uh clothing. He yep. knows all the right manufacturers for that. And he had posted an ad and I saw what he posted. And I responded to him. I was like, hey, I, I like what they've done, but I think I can make a cooler video. Yeah. If you send me a t-shirt, I'll show you. Within seconds, he puts me in touch with one of the co-founders uh-huh. of the company. Yeah. Hey, uh, this person, me, Roger, he's a content creator. Can we send him stuff? He could shoot it. 
And I remember laying on the couch at my at my friend's place and looking at him like, yo, this is so crazy. Like that happened within like two minutes. And I told him who he was and what I was going to do. And he's like, dude, your whole life. And this is another lesson that I recommend to anybody, especially the young college student content creator starting out. You never, my whole life, I had always tried it. I never questioned what if. Yeah. I would always, I would always think to myself, why not? Yeah. Why not take that chance to move? Why not take that chance to work under him? Why not experience something different? Yeah. Um, because the last time I checked, we only do this once and yeah. it may not be there later yeah. down the road. And so I sent him a text saying, Hey, is that offer still on the table? He responded with a handful of emojis, a camera, a plane, huh. a blonde kid that looked kind of looked like me because I had my dad, my hair blonde at the time and a palm tree. And he said, yes. And then in under two weeks, I went back to New York, packed two of my bags and I was in Hollywood. Wow. Yeah. The rest was history after that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, been, it's, it's been a year, yeah, June, 2020. So it's been a little bit over a year. Wow. Crazy. So you There's, had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned earlier, and this was something that was kind of, you know, top of mind for me is um, you had that feeling of like, how did I end up in this room? And, you know, no doubt about it. Your work is incredible. I mean, like you've, you've, you deserve to be in those rooms based on the work that you've done alone more than anything else. I think, and you know, at the end of the day, like your performance speaks for itself and, and you've performed in terms of the product that you put out there. But do you still have those moments now where you're like, how the hell did I end up here? Like when you're shooting some of these people, you're, you know, are you asking yourself, you know, like, how did this happen? You know, why me and how me? Like, and, and I mean, imposter syndrome is very normal. But I mean, I, I think that, you know, you did have a very, in terms of timeline, you know, when you think about it, you're still under 30, right? Yeah. When you think about it, like how you propelled up to these names in just a short period of time is incredible. Um, so do you still ask yourself that? For a long time, I did. And I think now it's just gotten to a point where I no longer think about the title of who the individual is. Yeah. I genuinely think about who they are as a person. Yeah. Um, because I used to have that high of getting into a room and I'm like, oh my God, it's X. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm shooting X. Yeah. Um, and then I started to realize, you know, as I've transformed as a person, it's not the name, it's who they are. Yeah. And so the idea is, I tried, I, I, I'm very lucky with 95% of the people I get to work with are good human beings. They're all, you know, purpose driven, you know, the acts or the things that they stand behind are so strong that yeah. I'm lucky where I'm able to document that. Yeah. And it, it generally no longer, I'm numb to it. So that's, that's a straightforward answer. That's awesome. I'm, numb, I'm numb to the names, but I genuinely think about things of what I always say to someone, it's not who I'm shooting. It's like, what, why, what am I doing this for? Like, why am I shooting them? What are, what are we working on? You know, what's the project? Yeah. Um, those are the type of questions that I ask now. Uh, and then again, I'm lucky enough, similar to circles where certain people that introduce me to certain people. I just know based off that introduction, I could trust them. Yeah. Um, since I've worked with them so many times or done some, so many things like someone like you is a perfect example. I trust you. I adore you. What, what you stand, your work, you know, what you've been through. Who, who you are as a man towards your wife, you know, and then now, you know, father. So okay. if you would introduce me to someone, I, I'm not questioning their character. I'm not questioning where they, I'm not, I'm just like, Hey, cool. I'm available. Let's make it happen. And then we coordinate dates and times. Yeah. Um, no, that that's awesome. And I think that's one thing that distinguishes you amongst your peers 
you know, I, I know that mo most recently you um, included me in a group of your peers, other content creators around the country um, who are all, you know, working projects and in and, and varying sizes and displays. And um, one of the things that's very apparent is, you know, you're working with these big names, you're taking these big projects on and you're doing it with a, a level of grace and humility where you see some of the, the younger content creators out there you know, start to sweat maybe at the idea of working with some of these names or or kind of like chasing these opportunities for the names when at the end of the day, it was your work that got you to where you were, uh, not nothing else. Um, and so personally, I'm very grateful that we met because I always saw your potential. Um, I thought you were going to peak at my wedding and I... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that you did not. I'm glad that you you took it a million steps further after that. Um, I, I want to transition really quick because I think that one thing that um, people don't talk about in your industry openly is there's a lot of things that could go wrong a lot uh, with regards to the different events that, you know, you're kind of pulled into, especially a lot of things being done last minute, um, you know, and, and I feel like you're, you know, you're relying on various equipment and other people and partners that you may be bringing into um, certain projects. Um, can we talk really quick about maybe one time where things just went absolutely wrong for you uh, or, you know, things kind of broke down? Yeah. Um, what comes to mind to not name people or kind of situations sure. where I think to the point where you're trying to get to is that the moment happened because I was unprepared for the outcome of the next thing of how I could handle that. So an example, you referred to relying on other people. This is a really big one for me, even though there's three other videographers mm -hmm. shooting the same thing I'm shooting. That doesn't mean I won't film it because then that ultimately puts my hand in theirs to expect them to share something with their footage with me. Right? Yes. So getting the shot just because there's three other people getting it doesn't mean that I should not get it. If I don't know them or have that relationship with them, then that should force me to know that you can't rely on other people to get certain shots or, you know, photos or moments yeah. because then you're putting your job at risk by someone you may not know, or just someone you don't trust. Uh, that's a really big one. And the other part going back to the moment I failed is just not being prepared. So it was either dead batteries of a camera. This is right at the beginning when I couldn't afford much and yeah. I'd only have two batteries and then both are dead and I'm standing in the corner, literally charging and praying to God to hurry up. Yeah. Another, again, unprepared moment, not having a backup SD card yeah. is the ones currently filled. Yeah. Right. Or then knowing the process, if one is filled up, what do I do? Yeah. We'll open your laptop. You're able to remove all the stuff into your desktop, wipe it out, and then you immediately get back into to your job. Um, and I think those moments just come like with anything else unexpectedly uh, when you're trying to figure things out and it's having certain people where now it's similar to that group chat, there's individuals in their group who are amazing content creators. I'm nowhere near their talent and where they've done so much and achieved so much. You know, we have someone in that group chat who shot the Pope like, yeah, and him specifically, I'm always very, very open and I have no ego with asking questions. Yeah. Like I have zero ego. Yeah. with that like i just believe the person who's not willing to learn is at a loss yeah. because they think they're too big or whatever the case may be or uh, truthfully i just i i pretend like they're not there if i ever hear or kind of feel that from them of them thinking they're too big or too much it's okay you know you yeah. can be that way but for me i don't like that person around me 
Yeah. Because I truly believe the way technology is evolving and how people perceive things and perception mixed with like production, like there's always a better way to do something. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a constant environment of change. So in order yeah. to kind of keep up, you have to have that learning mindset. Yeah. Uh, and, and then in the creative space, it's so important, especially when it comes to like social media because of the platforms and, then, you know, the cameras that are coming out, the things that we're using where, you know, today they announced a new iPhone 14, the, yep. the quality out of iPhones, you know, today I made it real for someone from my phone. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not about what you have. It's what you do with what you have yeah. and kind of knowing that of how you maneuver through that to be able yeah. to achieve over and over. So I would say the number one thing that that moment was just not being prepared. Um, of the what ifs. And I think playing that in your head is important because you remove fear by building that with confidence and knowing that if X were to happen, you know what you're going to do next. Absolutely. And honestly, to that point, I've seen you do some amazing things with an iPhone. I remember one time, I think we were headed to a workout class after doing a shoot and you just stuck your iPhone outside of a cab and you took like the most amazing like video and the clearest video of New York City. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't even take a selfie straight. And this guy is like taking, you know, grade A art outside with his iPhone. So, um, you know, I, I think that's something that um, is true. And I, I wanted to obviously point out as well. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap things up here for the sake of time, you know, We've talked about how quick things kind of happened and, and we talked a little bit about, you know, where it started for you. Um, you know, given the trajectory that you've been on so far, I don't like to ask this question. I, don't, I hate it when someone asks me this question. So I'm doing my best to kind of tiptoe around the actual question and, and put it in a way that might make more sense. I'm not going to ask you where do you expect to be in five or 10 years, but I'm going to ask you, you know, are you just going to continue riding this wave and and kind of approaching life with this same mentality and continuing to let this kind of grow for you? Or is there something more, you know, uh, I guess, finish line ask that you're looking for right now in terms of like, you know, this, this is where I'm trying to be. Um, yeah. It's a great question. So I would say when it, I, I never, I stopped giving myself the five year, 10 year goal because just the way my life has been evolving, like of course. genuinely contextually, I, I sometimes forget of like where I was less than three years ago and what's happening today because it's my norm. Yeah. And I don't like to, because I like to remember like, you know, the journey of like what's going on, how it happened, how I progressed and what's been, what's happened. But I would say for me, the first thing would probably be, I really, I'm finding, a, I'm creating a driving passion towards what would be my next company of creating a creator community. And I think for me, I've always had that imposter syndrome with me thinking that I don't know enough mm -hmm. or I've, I've been switching it now. It's like, not that I need to know everything, but the idea is I know enough to then serve people who they can serve others. Yeah. And that as they're doing that, I'm learning as well. And so for me, I think number one is the growing the content creator community. Um, and then number two, uh, being really hyper-focused with the certain individuals that I'm working with that I have around me and then continuously fostering that relationship. The reason I love working for Dan is not only because I love him as a human, I love how he operates with business. And so I want to be in that position where I'm raising X amount of money towards putting it towards startups, putting it towards businesses and having that array of various businesses that are bringing in different cash flow towards me and then helping people too. And he, he reminds me of that. It's not, he loves investing because he creates more jobs. 
She loves investing because he realizes the compounding effect of starting a company, hiring people and how that changes that person's life and that alters their life where that ends up. And I think for that, that's where my mind's going of not personally thinking to myself, where am I in five, 10 years? Just knowing what am I doing now that could really alter my future to that next person yeah. um, and stepping up to that because I've been very comfortable with myself and serving people around me and doing my best. But now it's stepping into that leadership role and knowing that I need to do something bigger in the content creator space. And that would be kind of the next phase of uh, myself, right? Of being a leader. And uh, I don't want to say mentoring, but I think the right word is just guiding and but also learning together because I, I genuinely feel that I'm just getting started as a creator because I have the confidence myself to articulate that and also lead others in a small way, but also knowing that I'm going through it too. And that, you know, I, you know, I've experienced the things that I've experienced to help others right now. And that, that'll grow to something a lot bigger. So I I have, I'm excited for it. I really am. That's awesome. And I mean, no, that hits home. I I remember one of the things that I I talked about in, in break barriers, actually, and it kind of reminded me of this is, you know, we are the kind of people that we believe very much in investing in others, but at the end of the day, we still need to soak up as much as we can in order to give more and more and more. And so, you know, the the mentor version of you five years ago, maybe would have taught someone how to, you know, take a specific shot or record a specific video using a specific kind of piece of equipment. But the mentor version of you today is someone who could truly give yourself as a, as a mentor, as a coach, or as an advisor, um, in a way where you're truly investing in someone, uh, just because of the experience that you've built up over time. Um, and I, I kind of talked about this because at a younger age, I, I, you know, wanted to be that kind of mentor figure and I kind of failed at it because, you know, I needed to go through what I went through over the last several years now where I can, you know, say to someone like, like I, I've been through it. Like I, I know how to kind of pull you up when you're down and I'm not just going to give you words of encouragement, but I'm going to, you know, literally lift you and, and kind of, um, guide you through. And, uh, you know, I see that in you because of the fact that, um, you put yourself out there, you sacrificed and you, um, continue to follow your, your, your intuition, um, around the growth of, of your platform. Um, just to wrap things up, Roger, let's talk about, you know, the mantra that maybe drives you today or that has driven you, you've given a lot of great pointers um, over the course of this recording, but is there anything in particular that's kind of your, your break barriers, if you will? The best is yet to come. I truly believe that every time I would think to myself that that was my best shoot yet. That was the best person I've worked with yet. I was like, no, there's always something more, you know, it's like, I'm sure people have heard the story of the guy who was on top of the house. It's flooding. A boat comes to save him. He's like, no, God's going to come and save me. A helicopter comes. He's like, no, God's going to come and save me. Another massive boat, you know, a Coast Guard comes. No, God's going to come to save me. The house drowns. He drowns. He gets to God. And God's, he says to God, why didn't you come and help me? And he said, I sent you three different vehicles <laughs> to do so. And I think with life, instead of it being that of you saying no to something, I think the idea is that every time something, it's either rejection or uh, kind of you know, a a turn or a maneuver from where you think you should go, there is a calling or a purpose for your life. And I truly believe that when you start to focus more on who you are and what you're trying to achieve, it becomes easier to say no things that don't align with where you want to go. 
Um, because in today's world, and I experience it, there's a stimulus of so much going on around us. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know because you haven't even tried to take a step forward, right? It's very easy to get caught up in your head and not moving. But I promise you, if you're a content creator and you try, you say, I don't know what my niche is. I want a niche. I said, all right, we'll go out similar to what I did to figure out my career path. When I was in my university, I had an accounting internship. I did it, did not like it. Went into a finance internship, did it, did not like it. Went into a marketing internship, interested, but it wasn't the goal for me. That was Gatorade, but it put a camera in my hand. And then I would later learn content creation would become its own marketing source of social media and what that would lead to. But it took me four or five times to do that on top of being working at a retail store, on top of being working at a restaurant, on top of that being a babysitter. Like there were so many things that I tried that I became curious about. I tried working at the admissions office to be an admissions counselor. I, I thought of that, but it was because I tested it. It was because I tried it that I then knew that it wasn't for me. This path wouldn't be mine. And I would continue going. I kept taking that one step. You don't need to know all the steps. You just got to just take that one step. Yeah. And by doing so, that, that the mantra for me just makes so much sense is because when you start to do that, you start to realize that the best is yet to come when you start to take the right steps forward. You never do that. You never know that unless you take the step. Absolutely. Roger, what a perfect note <laughs> to end it on, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today. I think that um, there's just such a multitude of takeaways here and we could have kept going for a long time, but I, I, I wanted to make sure that, you know, we ended on a note like that. So thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile 40 podcast, go ahead, subscribe, leave a review, and share the word. Thank you for being a part of the Mile 40 family. And let's unite in showing the world that comebacks are always greater than setbacks.